When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow, I can't believe this is happening. Here we go. Who are you? Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Sally O'Malley. I'm proud to say I'm 50 years old. I'm not one of those gals who's afraid to hide her age, unlike some other gals. And I like to kick, stretch, and kick. I'm 50. 50 years old. 50 years old. 50, 50, yeah. Okay, 50. all right. Sitting on a bench at the Fulton Road Skate Park in Santa Rosa, I'm Meredith Johnson, and this is Talkin' Schmidt. Today, we're taking a deep dive into the origin story of your host, Gregory Scott Smith, a.k.a. Schmitty. He was born in Redwood City, California, best known for its motto, Climate Best by Government Test. In high school, not only was he on the badminton team and went all the way to CCS finals, but he was also voted class clown his senior year. He's been with the Bible of skateboarding, Thrasher Magazine, for over 20 years, with his favorite era being the Fat Fridays with Friends. Shout out to Mitchell. Shout out. With or without a shower, he's become Honeybee's favorite scent. And although he works hard to not complain around his bros, behind closed doors, it tends to be a different story. I can't fucking believe he sent me 56s. I asked for 55s. Cheryl, the TV in the bathroom's not working. I only got a thousand likes? What the fuck? There's way too many models here. This is fucking ridiculous. In late 2018, he decided to start a podcast with the goal of producing one episode every week for an entire year. Capitalizing on his Rolodex, he quickly dove into a star-studded list of guests and used his longtime friend Tim McKenney to provide first impressions and serve as his shout-out director. The number 50 is a milestone in age and in episodes, So to honor both, the mic's been handed over to his executive director, who also recently became his fiancée, to host this momentous occasion. And Greg wanted me to mention that there are shirts for sale at TalkinSchmidt.com, and a purchase goes a long way to helping him stay on the air. Anyway, without further ado. This is Judy, the very proud mom of Gregory Scott Smith, and you're listening to his podcast, Talkin' Schmidt. It's cool, like tonight is the night. Here we go again. Just give it the old college try, right here. Our big dog's in. What do you think, Schmitty? 96 times, Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. We on? Schmitty? Talkin' Schmidt. He's so fucking good, dude. Shit my pants, lad. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. Are you ready? Come on, Schmitty. I'm here for Greg Smith. This is Cheryl, Schmitty's girlfriend and the executive director of Talkin' Schmidt. We're coming live from Hawaii, the 50th state in the union, for Schmitty's 50th birthday to record the 50th episode of Talkin' Schmidt. We're really excited to be here to have the host in the hot seat. He's the host who loves French toast. It's Schmitty! 
Thank you for having me. Wow, what a pleasure. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah? 82 degrees. I can't complain. <laughs> How does it feel to be in the hot seat? It feels um, relaxing. I just thank you for bringing me here. Yeah? Yes. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. I'm a little nervous. Don't be. Really? Yeah. What advice do you have for the host? Just be yourself. Just relax. And uh, I don't know. I have no. I have no advice. Okay. Maybe my advice would be don't do it like I do it. No, you do it really well. Please insert right there the guy from the office. That's what she said. <laughs> oh. So what do you got for me? Are we going to get some questions or? Yes. So I want to give a big shout out. Shout out. To all them listeners out there who have provided questions to help me with today's interview. We got a lot of people who want to call in, people texting in. It's going to be a real buffet of brain teasers. Ooh. All right. All right. Let's get started. Let's do it. I should probably be clear with your listeners up front. I am not a skateboarder. I know nothing about skateboarding. Mm -hmm. I thought we'd start off with a birthday wish. Hey, this is Felix and Oscar. Happy birthday, Schmitty. So how's it going? How was your birthday? What'd you do for your 50th? First of all, before we even start this, I'd just like to say that I've listened to every episode of the podcast. I like what's going on here. And I also feel that the previous guests have raised the bar pretty high, so it's going to be pretty difficult for me to fill the shoes. But, you know, we're going to just wing it here and and see what happens. So, But uh, as for my birthday... I got surprised by you. You planned a trip to, um, well, we're in the middle of this, so we don't know. But <laughs> what we do know is we went to Lanai, and we went to Oahu, and now we're back on Oahu. Words cannot really give it justice. It's kind of bragging, but we did do first class to Hawaii, and then we did do a private jet to Lanai, and then we stayed at the Four Seasons, and then we took a boat out and went snorkeling, and we finished the day off at Nobu. And I could keep going on, but like <laughs> that seems like a lot for even the 50th year of your life. So I have a lot of appreciation for that. Well, I should say that stepping into the interviewer shoes are quite big. I think you're doing a great job Aww, with this podcast. Well, you're I'm biased. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. I'm so proud of you. Hold on. You lost your questions already? I was born in 1969 <laughs> in Redwood City, California. The slogan is Climate Best by Government Test. My mom had fallen down the day before I was born and broke her leg. The doctor told her he had never given birth before to someone with a cast on their leg. All right, thanks for that. Here's another question related to your birthday. Hey, this hey, is Felix and Oscar. Oscar. What is a rose and a thorn about turning 50? Well, every rose has a thorn, so we know that. But the rose for turning 50, as Keith Cochran once said, is the wisdom that comes along with age. I think that you're able to grasp things a lot. That you couldn't do at an earlier age, you see things a little clearer and... That stuff is all really cool. The thorn, obviously, is the pain in your body that I've had way before I turned 50, but the older you go, the more the arthritis, the more the 
banged up knees and just every injury that has happened throughout the years, my neck and shoulders have been in pretty extreme pain for at least 20 years. So like being older, it just makes it worse. Obviously, I'm not into skateboarding, but one of the things I have learned from you and many of your friends is that skateboarding is in your blood. It's brought you some of the greatest experiences in your life, but also some of your most life-crushing moments. It defines you in a lot of ways. You knew the people, you skated the places, and as Aaron Burr said, you were in the room where it happened. Hamilton, shout out. Shout out. (laughs) Pardon me, are you Aaron Burr, sir? Well, that depends. Oh, sure, sir. No one else was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. No one else was in the room where it happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. No one really knows how the game is played, the art of the trade, how the sausage gets made. We just assume that it happens. But no one else is in the room where it happens. Do you want to talk about using the bidet? The bidet was pretty sick because I, <laughs> I've heard about it for years from Peter Hewitt. He he went to Japan. I believe he might have bought one for his house after he went there. So I've heard all these great things about but I never got a chance to use one until two nights ago. And I probably did it wrong. <laughs> But I was laughing because it could be a test like, okay, let's see if the bidet works. Well, the first time I tried it, it did not. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) All right. So late last year, you decided to start a podcast. Um, Why? Well, that's a good question. I don't really remember exactly what was going on, but I do remember that I was helping Jake with the Thrasher radio program. I just got my feet wet doing that. And then I was like, man, I could do this for myself. There was some big losses in my life and it just really instantly felt like a really good way for me to kind of grieve in a positive way with my bros. Like, let's talk, but we're probably gonna talk about Jake, P-Stone, Hubbard, and the dudes that we've lost too. and. You guys are going to help me. Has it fulfilled you in those areas of being creative and also somewhat cathartic, you know, talking about your friends that you've lost? Yeah, I think so. I dove in and I said I want to do one every Tuesday for the whole year, which would be 52 episodes. And I feel like it's getting better each week. And people have actually told me that they like them and people that I don't even know have reached out. And it's cool to have like people that you don't know actually tell you you're doing something good. Well, I think also in a time where everything's condensed down into 140 characters or, you know, a one minute video on YouTube, having these opportunities to just talk. I mean, it's different. Yeah, so that's kind of it too, is that podcasting is so like going to Hawaii it's like island time you're you you can talk for as long as you want the interview if the interview lasts and it's really good you're going to keep it going and if you don't have much to say you're going to end it when you're done talking and there's no comments there's no likes and that's just so refreshing because as somebody who's done video for so long and seen people like tell me what 
video was good by the amount of fucking likes. It's so funny. I look at them and I'm saying, okay, but did you like the video or do you not like the video or do you not even know because you have to look at Facebook numbers before you could tell me if it's good or not? Like that is bananas to me. So besides having an episode every week for a year, connecting with your bros and telling stories, what are some other tangible goals you had? When I started doing this, I just really was like, man, if my girlfriend could interview me for the 50th episode, that would be the fucking dream come true. Yeah, right. I think that that's schmitting. And then we'll <laughs> go out for shaved ice after, you know? It's like... All right. Anybody who has been critical of you or is going to be critical of me interviewing you, fuck you. Because this Whoa, is this like isn't this. this is not easy. It's terrifying. Well, and you do this every week. Well, here's here's another disclaimer. I have a face for radio, but you have a face for video. So you're getting a little disadvantaged <laughs> by no cameras in the house because Oh, you're so va, va, boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, let's go to the basics, as you call it. Uh -huh. And I know you just went through your spiel about where you were born. Is there anything else you want to tell us about Redwood City? And I would like to say that me and Jason Jesse are born in the same year. And I'm born in October, and he's born in December. So all I'm trying to say there is, this guy that I looked up to my whole skateboarding life, and then I find out when I'm taking him to dinner one night for his birthday that the fucker's younger than me. It pisses me <laughs> off. But uh, I don't know. Redwood City, climate best by government test. That's the city's motto. I grew up in San Carlos, and I went to school there, and then I went to high school in Redwood City. And then after high school, I moved out, and I moved to Menlo Park with um, three of my friends, and we had a ramp in our backyard and had a really great situation. But basically, I went from Menlo Park, then I went to San Mateo, then I went to Burlingame, and then I went to San Francisco. So, Well, from day one, you've been super proud of coming from that region. And you definitely talk a lot of shit about where I'm from, the East Bay. You have to pay on the bridge to come to the West Bay. You don't have to to go to the East Bay. That's always been how I looked at it. Anyway. I love all bays. So what were you like as a kid? It, it's funny because we're here in the North Shore of Hawaii where there's huge waves. And I'll tell you this. I had a huge fucking wave in the front of my hair called a calic. <laughs> and that thing was massive my whole life. And I always tried to figure out how to like hide it and make it. Like, can you comb it forward and it'll finally go away? And my parents got divorced at a young age. And so I was kind of a mama's boy because I lived with my mom. But I always like to have fun and I always like to laugh and I always like to get into trouble. Ooh, trouble. Yeah. When I was in kindergarten, we climbed the fence of the school that I was going to and we got up on the roofs and threw rocks through the uh, skylights, broke the skylights. First day of school, first grade, I get called to the fucking principal's office. How the fuck did they know I did that? <laughs> well, here's a question for you. Uh, one of your little friends is calling in. Happy birthday, Schmitty. I wanted to ask you, how old were you when you started skateboarding? Whale-nar. 
Yeah. Damn. Waylon huh? called in. Wow. Surprise, surprise. Well, how old was I when I started skateboarding is, uh, here's the story on that. I have a blue plastic skateboard with the year 1978 on the bottom of it. So that means I was nine years old when I got that skateboard. Oh, wow. Look at this. Texting in from the dance floor at the Half Moon Bay Brewery is your father. He wants to know, what do you miss most about San Francisco when you're on the road? It's funny because when I go away on trips with Jake, when we would come back the first day we got back, we would always go straight to Swan's for the crab cocktail, some chowder, just get the seafood of San Francisco and the vibe. The weather, though, I love getting off the airplane and fucking feeling that San Francisco breeze, the fresh air. Love it. Thanks, Scott, for that great question. For those of you who don't know, Schmitty actually gets his wicked sense of humor from his dad. And he is a master woodworker who builds bowls, not skateboarding bowls, wooden bowls. And I would like to ask for one for Christmas. Thank you. Big Hungry has a question. What? I'm going to read you his question. He said, what was your first sick, complete setup? And <laughs> what team did you want to ride for growing up? As I told Dandra Hobo the other day, I loved the Aaron Murray Dogtown skateboard. I had probably two, maybe three. It was just a cool shape. And then Dogtown was the shit back then because Aaron Murray, Scott Oster, Eric Dressen, like in our eyes, those were like the gnarly guys. And they had lots of style. And I've always been attracted to the people that do things well rather than do things that look crazy. Like, oh, that was the fucking craziest trick. But he did it like throw up. It's like, I don't care. Did I even answer the question? Your first setup? My first setup was a Mike McGill. I've uh, <laughs> talked about this probably too many times. And didn't he post something the other day? That was kind of crazy. Shout out to Mike McGill. Shout out. Because he was like in Idaho at this fire station where there's a fan of my podcast who had bought some stickers from me previous to that. And I think he had heard that Mike McGill was my first skateboard and I mean, you want to talk about a small world. So all of a sudden, Mike McGill's there, and he took a photo of him holding the Talking Schmidt sticker. Full circle. Yeah. So rad. Shout out to Idaho and Talking Schmidt fan out there that Shout um, out. hooked up that McGill photo. Pretty cool. So what were some of the spots that you skated growing up? Down in the peninsula, or did you travel around? Well, the first spot I went to, I think I said it on Bryce's episode, but... So when I bought my skateboard at Go Skate, where I actually ended up working later in life, um, it was on 41st Avenue in San Mateo. And when they sold us the boards, they're like, hey, you should go up the hill. There's a skate spot up there. But we all, the locals all called it the spillway. And it was the first place where I learned to like intermix with other skaters, no matter the age. It was really terrifying to go somewhere and be a little kid and see these older guys that were smoking weed and drinking and and just knowing exactly what they were doing. And you wanted to be a part of it. But somehow we kind of already had an idea in our head that you couldn't be a kook. And I don't know how, because some people don't get that lucky and they just kook it all the time. 
and I've definitely cooked it, but like I also had a real awareness and still to this day, maybe to a fault, try to avoid getting into an area that I'm going to be like the blow it guy. Yeah, we skated there and then I grew up in San Carlos, so we would skate the hills. We had these really big, it's funny because we had some really big hills in San Carlos that um, later in life people would come and skate and I'd be like, yeah, I grew up there. Of course I know that. We used to buy those gloves that you would put the uh, duct tape on. You would go down the hill as fast as you could until you needed to slow down and you would lay back and put your hand down and you're board would do a four-wheel slide and your hand would drag and those were called layback slides and that was my kickflip i think like we would go to the um the hallways of the school across the street from my house and just push down the hall as fast as we could and perfect that layback slide and then eric built a ramp in his backyard which keith and a lot of people showed up at and skated and that's perfect because Eric actually wrote in with a couple questions for you. Oh, okay. And here's the first one. He writes, I had the vert ramp at my house. Ask him about Bob Keith, who needed the vert, who grew up with J.J. Rogers, who skated it once, too. Bobby Keith was the first rad dude that we skated with that kind of, like, that we became friends with. Like, he was way better than us he could do backside airs properly he could do a lot of tricks he was good they had a ramp down right by the train tracks at a car shop that i think his parents worked at or owned or something the funny thing about bobby was he was so good and he quit skating and we always were like fuck you like i can't believe you're that good and you quit like i would die to be that good and he just said and i never heard this from anyone else he said it was too easy and he was bored with it. It was really special to have Eric. And I'm guessing this person who actually called in would agree. Uh-oh, more callers. Oh, a lot of callers. Hi, Greg. It's Mom. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about the past 50 years in so many ways, but especially about your love from early on for skateboarding. My memory is that skateboarding was frowned on back in the 70s. I remember you skating across Cordilleras to the Benson's house and getting a ticket more than once for doing so. We went to court for your tickets and the judge asked you how fast you were going. I'll never forget his face when you said you were skating. I remember driving clear to Del Mar in Southern California just to be able to skate legally at a skate park. Finally, we let you build a ramp in our backyard but the neighbor behind us complained to the cops and then to the city. No building permit, they said, so we had to tear it down. I'm thinking it would be nice to hear a few of your thoughts on the evolution of skateboarding as it became a recognized sport and finally began to get some due respect, and also about the difference it has made for you and others who had always loved the sport. Those were the days. Happy birthday, Grego. Aw, thanks, Judy. Two things that come to mind is that she did take me to Southern California when I was a young kid, and I have photos. I went to Del Mar when I was like 14, maybe, or 15. And then we went to Upland, which was the other cement skate park down there. 
And I have a photo that I shot of, oh, it was Eric Grisham, Alan Losey, and uh, Steve Alba. And I have photos of Grisham and Alan Losey that I took on like a Canon AE-1 because I always had a camera my whole life, even before I got into skateboarding. But my mom knows I love her and the support she's given me through this whole journey and just her upbringing and everything has been 100% why I have anything going today. That ramp in the backyard was from Ray Myers' ramp. Bryce didn't even know that somehow, but I thought he helped. I thought he was instrumental. Biggest assholes. We went over to this house before the project started, and we told them what we were going to do, and we asked for their blessing. We said, look, you're our neighbor. We're going to build a ramp here. And we worked it out with them. And then as we were building it, I think they just didn't really know what they had signed up for. We hadn't even soundproofed it yet. Like they probably were just sick of hearing us work on it, like saws and hammers and all that noise. And they called the cops and they're like, uh, you know, this is against building codes or somehow they just came in and we had to tear it down. Like the ramp was only up for like, I think seriously, maybe three months. I was doing it with the ghost skate guys. We were building the ramp and... So long story long is basically they got the dog drunk. My mom put up with a lot of shit and she just did nothing but support and love me. And that means the world. So there, take that, huh? What else you got? Well, actually. I feel like I'm better at asking questions than I am answering them. Maybe we should take a little break and hear from uh, Corey Obenor down at Blue Plate. All right, sounds good. Schmidt, it's Corey here at Blue Plate asking a question for the 50th. I was going to come at you with some skateboard stuff like Jake, maybe eating out with Jake, uncomfortable experiences like him pushing the plate away, him commenting on the birthmark on the waitress's face, never cool. But I just was going to maybe ask you something different, something about food, filet mignon, bruschetta, your favorite, beet salad, you like it. You always eat your fried chicken. My question is, we got the coconut cream pie back. After 10 years, we found the original recipe. My question is, when are you going to come and get it? You're on that mission and overall to ignition. Any hero, cooking, baker, death wish, label, Mandalore. Our likes to fire, bones, ace, indie, venture, thunder, spawn, 40s? Bring it back, Tommy! Tommy, Tommy. Shoes? Fuck no! Hard goods? No bullshit! Over 15? Grip your own fucking board. Ignition skate shop, 420 West Grand Street, Lancaster, PA. Alright, we're back. Wow. Yeah. And it is really exciting for me to play this next message for you that actually came in yesterday. Hey, Schmitty, what's up? It's Tony Hawk. Um, first of all, happy birthday. Welcome to the club. We're super old and still skating. It's awesome. And my question to you is, based on that and based on how long we've all been involved in skating, what is the most surprising element that you see today that is way different than when we started or that, <clears throat> that you didn't expect, like you, the, the kind of thing you didn't expect to see in skateboarding? Um, I don't know. I just want to know what the most surprising thing is. I would say that I never thought that people's comments were going to dictate skateboarding. I never thought that like kids were going to tell people what was cool and they were going to listen to them. I, I, I always was born and raised with we're the fucking mag and we tell you what's cool and that's it. 
and the fact that Vision can make Gator skateboards and sell them to shops and shops buy like 10 of them and people buy them when this guy murdered and raped a woman the double standards and hypocrisy that's been eye-opening too did you even think you would still be skating at 50 is that surprising i didn't think i was gonna be skating at 25 can we give a big shout out to tim mckinney right now of course shout out all right so we were talking about tim mckinney I want to give him a hug and a high five. And to let you know, Greg, that we have a date with him at Heidi Pies when we get back. Coconut cream. Tim McKenney, episode six, I think. He sparked the whole thing. I re-sparked his life and he sparked the podcast. Boom, boom. Well, Tim McKenney has submitted... First impression? Do I get a first impression? Come on. This is First Impressions with Timothy Donald McKenney. First impressions with Tim McKenney. My guy, our guy, the whole reason why we're here, Schmitty. It's the crib ramp, dude. It's in the backyard. It's him on the extension, on the pool coping extension, doing the Steve Douglas. He's doing the backside melon and backside D. He's still doing it to this day on the vert ramp in Berkeley. Uh, shout out, tired and destroyed. Shout out. Pretty sure it's in there. I think he breaks his rib going a backside nose blunt. Schmitty, I love you. I'm so proud of you guys. I include your chica. You guys are kick-ass. I'm proud of you guys. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. Thank you, Timothy. Well, what was your first impression of him? Everyone's missed Tim, obviously. And the fact that Tim talks to me on a regular basis now is amazing. And then also that he credits me with his rebirth, which I just think is hilarious. I fucking love the guy and he knows I love him and we can talk shit to each other because he's the only motherfucker that was in the back of my truck when we were singing Elad with my brother all the way over from LA. But first impression, I pretty much couldn't believe this kid. Um, He was a really good skateboarder. Um, That was my first impression. Like, Dude did a line on this narrow fucking cement path in Foster City. You might want to call it Redwood Shores, but it's Foster City. (laughs) So that's, yeah. Well, I know there was another guy that was really important to you both, and that was Phil. And Tim actually has a question for you about Phil. Okay. I got another question for you, Greg, pertaining to Phil. Our goat, our god, our guy. I'm going to tell mine first. Uh, I guess I was the only one there. I, I don't care who else was there. It was just me watching him going, holy crap. Fort Miley, tail slide over the top. Might as well have been a goddamn blunt slide. The way he came in, the way he swooshed his hand, it was a godsend. He might even be wearing my dad's button up. I don't know. Maybe not. It doesn't matter, dude. It was just my guy. And the sickest trick, bunny fuck dandre hobo board, plastered in my brain forever. Nobody on the camera. Just me, him, skating. Nothing else mattered back then. A lot of the times. Some of the, I say it all the time. Some of the sickest stuff I saw, did, and was there for, was never on camera. It was just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Anyways, back to you. What was the one thing, and I know there's plenty, that was implanted in your brain, the wall at Tampa was another one. Him on the top of the wall at Tampa. It could have. It might as well have been a two-foot quarter pipe. He made it look so good. Let him know, kid. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, everybody 
if you don't know, I don't know how you don't, but Phil Shaw is the reason um, clearly for myself and Tim. Phil was from Redwood City. Phil was one of the best skateboarders to ever do it. And Phil was just a smart fucking human being that, you know, went to UC Berkeley. He was funny. He he adapted to things well. He he hung with the right people. He did the right tricks. He he was humble. Everything about him was like this is what I need to study to be a better person. And he was taken way too soon from us and it crushed a lot of us. Phil was on confusion. He skated a vert contest in San Jose and he beat Max Schaff. That was the qualifying for the finals, for the amateur finals that were in Atlanta. The only way Phil could get to Atlanta was his good friend, Greg Smith. I spent the night thinking about it. The next morning I called him, I was like, we're going. So we went up to the city and hit up Shirugi at the time, who was working for uh, Thunder and Spitfire, and he gave us a bunch of product and said, this is your gas money. And me and Phil drove all the way across country. We slept in rest stops and took showers and sprinklers and it was just me and him, and it was the best one-on-one experience I could have ever had with one of the best people. We went to the hangar on that trip, which is in, I think it was Charleston. Uh, we skated tons of stuff. Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas, really cool peanut bowl. The whole journey was to get to Atlanta, and um, it was called the Skate Zone, where they had the amateur finals. Cardiel was there on Dogtown. I think he was with Karma. Tim Brock was there. Jordan Richter, I think he got top five in every event, like freestyle, vert, mini ramp, street. Phil skated in the vert contest. And that was against guys like Brian Howard, uh, Steve Barra, um, Colin McKay, uh, Jordan Richter. Like these legendary dudes that would later go to have great pro careers. But this was the AM Finals. And what fucking song does Phil drop into? Weird Al Yankovic. The Rye or the Kaiser. Fat and weak. What a disgrace. Guess the champ got too lazy. Ain't gonna fly now. He's just taking up space. Sold his gloves through his air. And everyone starts laughing so fucking hard that Phil falls on his second wall and he has to change the music for the rest of the contest. But I'll never forget that. I'm pretty sure I have that video somewhere. So that's my Phil show. One thing about Phil, too, is Jake Phelps respected Phil in a way I've never seen Jake respect many. (laughs) There's no way I am where I am without Phil. Like, Phil opened a huge door and threw me through it fast enough before anyone could notice. And pretty soon, I'm just like... Yeah, what is that story? I mean, he helped you land your job right 
Well, yeah, I mean, Phil introduced me to Paul Zawanich, and then Paul Zawanich was the one that called me and said, hey, do you want to make a Thrasher video at your house? Fausto's down. And that was life-changing. I owe Paul a lot, too. So Drahobel, Phil, and Paul were all on Think Skateboards, and they were all pretty tight. And I hadn't met Dan Drahobel. That's fucking cancer. Fucking Dan. (laughs) But we didn't really have a relationship until Phil died, pretty much. And then... Dan and I became really close. I started filming with him kind of a lot, and we did a bunch of stuff. Long story long, everybody that I kind of have worked a lot with, um, Diego the Butcher, um, he moved to Palo Alto to live with Phil and Paul. And then when Phil died, uh, Diego couldn't stay there anymore because it was reminding him too much of Phil. And so he moved in with me. Diego was so rad. Like all these rad people that I've had in my life, they were, you know, they were through Phil. Even Jake and I would go places and we'd look at each other and go, what do you think Phil would do here? You know, he'll never be forgotten ever. It's like Jake, like I go to Thrasher every day to work and these guys are the reason I'm there. Well, Roz Matthew. Ganja yeah, ganja on my brain. On my brain. Matt Pales. Anyway, he texted and said happy birthday. Aww. Tell me a good story about Phil and one of the first times you hung out. So real early on, I hadn't started filming. I was... I had shot photos as a kid of everything. I've always documented what I did. It was film cameras. I had a Canon A1. It was probably a 50 millimeter lens, just whatever. I didn't even know about fish eyes. I wasn't thinking about skateboarding yet. It was just, you know, my grandpa got me into it and I loved it. And uh, so when I started skating with Phil, I would take photos of him before I got into video and my photos were really bad. I didn't know how to really get fisheye photos and focus when I first started. Like I gave Phil two rolls of photos I shot and I was like, here's all these photos I shot of him. And he picked the worst ones, all the ones that were out of focus, maybe shot at the wrong time, like <laughs> all this shit. And he goes up to think and he lays it out and he gives it to Greg Carroll. And he's like, this is my next think ad. So the Think ad comes out and it's a collage of all my shitty photos and it says, Phil Shao trying to help his friend learn how to take photos. <laughs> that was my first shit in the magazine right there. That pushed me to fit video because I was like, I suck at <laughs> photography. <laughs> so thank you, Phil, again for you know that. Well, Eric Ryder, he wants to know about the importance of skate heroes. Um, have they changed over time? And then he writes, you have always loved Dressen, Natus, Salba, Lance, and Jason Jesse. Have meeting these guys amplified your stoke or squelched your fire? Wow. Eric's so in tune with me. To put it into perspective, uh, two days ago was my 50th birthday and I was fucking floored. I Cheryl gave me the most amazing birthday I could ever 
dream of and I'm still kind of recovering from it emotionally. Like it was just so much like everything she did was like, wait, you didn't even need to do one of those things. And you did all those things and it. It blew me away and it, and it was really touching. And where I was going with this was during that moment, you know, I snuck in a little glance at the old Instagram while she was in the bathroom or whatever. Not supposed to do that when you're in Hawaii, but, uh, there's a fucking video on the Thrasher website that says happy birthday, Schmitty, 50 years or whatever. I shit you not. I double, I took the phone away and then looked at it again. Like, wait, what? Basically not to be too morbid, but have you ever thought about dying? Have you ever thought about when you die, what people are going to say about you at your funeral after you're gone? Cause I always do. I always think like, what about when you're dead? Is everyone going to say they were your best friend and you never knew that? Cause I see it happen nowadays. Like so many people want to jump on. The, I love that dude, but they never let that dude know when he was alive. And this fucking video was that man. And I think Tony Vitello and I think Michael Burnett and uh, Jordan and uh, Rye Barras and whoever helped put it together and put out the, you know, everybody came together and did something that they didn't have to do. And it was, it was really touching it. It meant so fucking much to me. And I'm so stoked that you're friends with people that inspired you. And Jason has contributed some thoughts and questions for this, <laughs> for this podcast. So I'm going to start off by reading something that he wrote. The best years I've ever had in my life were 2014 to 2019. Me, you, and Cranny. And how it evolved from high excitement to height of excitement. Full circle. And my bro Schmitty never changed. I just want to say I love you so much and regard you as one of the most solid Scorpios on the planet. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> he has a couple questions. First one. Over the last 10 years, I've watched you fluctuate in weight. <laughs> and it looked like when you were heavier and somewhat drunk, you seemed happy. But nowadays, you radiate positive energy humor and huge love for life what's your secret and then he goes on to put in parentheses and he better not blame it all on cheryl the answer is jason lee jesse 100 percent. like he is the fucking dude that i got to become friends with and i was nervous to even be at his house and i would drive home at one in the morning and i would leave a fucking half-eaten yogurt and a fucking bottle of mineral water and bail when everyone went to bed because I was getting anxiety. And he was the dude <laughs> that fucking writes a fake letter from me to him and <laughs> leaves it with the food I left <laughs> and takes a photo and sends it to me. All he wants to do is make sure that he was a good host. When you're down there, he wants to show you everything. He wants to please you with like humor, with a good time. We're going to go out on my motorcycles. We're going to hit fucking 
the skate parks. We're going to go do some slappies and we're going to laugh the whole time and we're going to end eating an amazing meal and I'm going to pay for it. And when I can't buy you dinner, I'm going to cry. I hate not being able to buy my bros meals. These are all the things that he's put into my life. I just think for Jason to say any of that stuff, it, it means a lot to me and I love the guy and yes 2015 me Jason and Cranny when you get paid to make a video where you get to go to Costco and buy the biggest tub of mayonnaise you can find (laughs) and put it in a TV and blow it up and then shoot mayonnaise over all over your bro's face (laughs) that's a pretty good time so yeah those days will never be um forgotten either jason also wrote in and said i always thought you skated minis and street but turns out you are comfortable on vert let's talk about when me and Alyssa witnessed your broken rib incident over the channel that was the gnarliest thing that's ever happened to me physically uh we were skating jason's ramp and i was trying to nollie backside disaster um I was trying to film a video part for the tired video and I was skating vert as much as I could. I thought maybe it'd be funny to have a filmer full video part on vert because I'm not a vert skater, but I was skating with Jason a lot. So I was kind of getting some tricks and I had this nollie back D and it was just clicking into back D, but I'd jump off. And Alyssa looks at me and she's like, you're making the next one. Hold up. I'm going to grab the video camera. So Alyssa gets the video camera, (laughs) runs up to the top of the deck, and we try to film one. And I nollie, boom, back D, and I almost bring it in. And we, I'm getting stoked because I've never made that trick. And she's, Alyssa fucking steamers filming me at Jason (laughs) Jesse's ramp. This is my life? Okay. I tried the nollie back to you one more time and it actually went to nose blunt accidentally and my f- both feet went to the nose so I was doing like a hang tan on a fucking back nose blunt and flipped to the flat bottom on my elbow. And when you landed on your elbow, it busted your rib. Yeah, I broke a rib. I don't know if anyone's done that, but sneezing is a near-death experience where you you feel a sneeze coming and you just feel like you're going to explode and you're holding yourself and it's so painful. But um, I'll go back and get it when Jason fixes his ramp. Well, we have our first international caller. Feliz cumpleaños. The sauce man. Ojalá que tenga un buen día, un día super bonita. Y te extraño. Love you, Holmes. Happy birthday, man. Big love. Huge New Year's for the Smith Stick. That was Alex Horn, a.k.a. Cranny. He was the first episode of the podcast. Yeah. I don't think there was a question there. The question is here. I'm going to reverse the roles here and ask you a couple questions. Mm. Bastard. Um, (laughs) Let me get, uh, let me do some tops here. Top, Top things of three things. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Let me get your top number one. Mexican food in the Bay. And then we're going to need top sandwich place in the Bay. And what sandwich might that be? And then finally, top 
skate spot in the yay in the fog town. <laughs> <laughs> I need some info, babe. I need some insight. All right, love you. Happy birthday. I love that. (laughs) So I'm just going to go with what comes to mind, um, which would be matate, shrimp, taco plate. I like that one, but there's endless amounts of good Mexican food in San Francisco. You can throw a 55 millimeter wheel and it'll get somewhere close to a place almost every time. Oh, sandwich. Well, that's funny because me and Alyssa always have this thing where it's like, have you ever been to Roxy? Of course I've been to Roxy. And of course she's been to Roxy. But it's just like a little slag. Anyway, Roxy, for sure. Sandwiches. Wow, skate spots in the yay area. I, 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 if he was here, I'd say current or all time. But I would say for Aaron Meza, South Cedro, baby, those library banks were pretty unique and rad. Um, and McKinney, I think, mentioned those gazebo banks in Foster City. You mentioned Alyssa Steamer. She's actually calling in. Oh. Hi, guys. Long-time listener, second-time caller. <laughs> so just want to know, Schmidty, have you ever been to Roxy Sandwiches? <laughs> <laughs> There you have it. So tell me about your relationship with Alyssa because you guys have become tight and also baby cakes. Love those two. This is just this whole positive rad people. Surround yourself with rad people and you can do no wrong is kind of the motto. Um, Alyssa and Rachel are just two amazing people that, um, I mean, everyone knows Alyssa Steamer, she is the... What's a female goat called? A goat. It's still a goat. It's still a goat. I was testing you. <laughs> so she's a goat, and um, we all know that. But she's a goat not just in skateboarding because her and Rachel, because I'm not supposed to call her baby cakes in my girlfriend's presence. Oh, really? (laughs) Apparently, I don't know. But no, they both have been through a lot of stuff, you know, as we all have. And they are so down to help others. And they're just kind of in the same vein as me where it's like, let's have fun. Let's laugh. Let's encourage our friends to not dwell on negativity. Let's, Let's be positive and enjoy life. What are we going to do? Sit around and dwell on the fucking shitty guy down there with the helmet on and the one wheel and fucking the Uber guy that doesn't know where to park and he's waiting in front for 400 years? Yeah, we are going to dwell on that. But we're also (laughs) going to go get coffee and Alyssa makes the best popcorn in town, baby. (laughs) Love you, Alyssa. and love you, Rachel. I love him, too. Big shout out to Rachel. Shout out. One thing I would like to say as a disclaimer, I don't know about longtime listener. So Rachel um, brought us this clip from your friend, Frank. Schmitty, where was the best egg sandwich you ever? What was the best egg sandwich you ever had? Wow, that's a tough question. (laughs) Frank, another ruler. You know, my mom used to make really good deviled egg sandwiches. My go-to for an egg sandwich is the fried egg with a little bit of melted cheese, 
and maybe a sliver of bacon or something in there? Is it kind of like a egg McMuffin or something? Well, let's transition. Okay. We're talking about food. Now I want to talk about one of my favorite food, donuts. I used to be in a band. Exactly. Oh, is that a segue? It was a segue. You're so you're getting good. <laughs> Am I in danger? You take it over. No way. Come Not on. with this voice. But look at that so. face. <laughs> she gets away with murder, kids. Dirty and the Donuts. Tell me about the name. Who was in the band? Well, Knuckles likes chocolate donuts. Dirty likes sugar rays. Some say Buddy likes maple, and I'm old fashioned glaze. our first song and it was called donuts eric Ryder was the bassist marty tabalea was guitarist mark duramus was kind of more rhythmy guitar um to keep the nuts and bolts in the line because marty was all over the place just kind of noodling mostly and i played drums and we made some songs and not really with you know we were kind of feeling that high tower vibe where you don't really <laughs> sing to your songs but then we thought eh, we kind of need lyrics and somehow i just started being the singer drumming and singing and i didn't i don't know anyway uh mark Doremus was kind of he was becoming a fireman at the time and all of us were kind of just feeling like zeros which was a was a simile or a metaphor for donut is a zero. Oh. And dirty was Mark Doremus's nickname, so it was dirty and the zeros, dirty and the donuts. The f- weird thing about names is you always think like, oh, this would be so stupid and funny. And then if it ever kind of works out, you're like, why did I use that <laughs> stupid name? You know, like. What were the years? When did you do that? Maybe it was around 2000. Uh, And then we recorded with Bart Thurber. Did he record Killing It? Yeah. Which I did some research, and that was in Thrasher Skate Rock Volume 12, Eat Uh. the Flag compilation. (laughs) And we're going to listen to a little bit of it right now. Oh. I got the need for full on speed. I'll grind it up and watch you bleed. Session ain't over till you're weak in the knees. But we just didn't really make any more songs, really. And then, like I said, Doremus was getting into uh, firefighting. So, did your grandpa and your uncle? inspire you musically yeah well my 
grandpa was really good at the clarinet and my uncle was a guitar songwriter that wrote and recorded a lot of music and he was kind of like semi-father figure after my parents divorced he lived with us and took me to ball games and he ended up recording with conrad uno who recorded mud honey which was one of my favorite bands so then i instantly just thought fuck my uncle is the coolest guy he knows mark arm he died prematurely due to the chicken pox which was like a really freak thing uh scott mccoy who was a really good friend of my uncle played keyboards in rem when they you know expanded the band for for years and um him and uh, whatever his name is, Pete, Pete Buck of RM, I think they they would they would jam in this other band called the Minus Five. They would play my uncle's song. It's it's been really touching to have like people remember him each year in Seattle. They have like a uh, each year around Christmas because he died like two days before Christmas. Um, they have like cheers at the bar and there's a little plaque at the bar with his name. And well, I know family is important to you. And here is a message from your bro. Hey, hey, it's me, your brother, aka Little Schmitty. Long time listener, first time caller. I wanted to call in and ask, who's your Mount Rushmore for music? Any band, any genre, any artist, it doesn't really matter. Not necessarily who's the best, but just who means the most to you personally. And then also I wanted to flip the script and ask you a question that I've heard you ask some of the guests on your podcast, which is, who's the greatest American rock band of all time? Happy Big Five Zero, brother. I'm really proud of you with the podcast, with your career in skateboarding and photography, and just keep going. I love you very much. So what he meant to say is, <laughs> if you're drowning in a river, brother, I'm the kind of guy that'll throw you a rope. But I'll throw you both ends. <laughs> Me and my brother grew up big wrestling fans, and that is definitely uh, what are those things? A guilty pleasure. Yeah. Um, Mount Rushmore bands, the Beatles ah. have to be instantly, right? Nirvana. I mean, there's so many bands. Um, I love Jack White and the White Stripes. Didn't you see them in a small venue also? Yeah, at the bottom of the hill. And I also saw Meg White at the diner in um, L.A. Swingers. I think I was with Drahobel and uh, the guy that was helping film the Crooked video. And I'm pretty sure we were wasted. And the guy goes up to, I think his name's Sam. He goes up to Meg and she's sitting there eating. It's like 3 in the morning. And me and Drobel just bolted to the bathroom like, fuck, what's he doing? But yeah, White Stripes are rad. Led Zeppelin. There's way too many bands. I don't know. You know, you got to say Bad Brains. The greatest rock band of all time from the U.S. There's this girl named Janis Joplin, and she was in a band before she went solo. And that's not it. I think what we're going to have to say is Tony Farmer loves Aerosmith. Toad loves Van Halen, and there's no right answer because 
the best band is not from the U.S. Personally, like this isn't the right answer, but I would probably go with Dinosaur Jr. because they have a lot of good records and they impacted my life at the right time. And then I got to meet Jay Maskus. No big deal. Evan's lovely lady friend, she was jealous about the old uh, Jay Maskus encounter down there at high speed the other day. So one last question before we take a break. One of your listeners, Joseph Pelicus, who listens every week, wants to know what five songs are on your playlist that get you revved up to go skating. Bad Brains always... The other day we were at the Berkeley vert ramp and no music was making sense and everyone gets a little sensitive about their music. Bad Brains, you can always just put in and it goes, you know, Misfits, the the classic. Those are the ones that we grew up skating to at Kennedy Warehouse. But uh, Jason and I have been listening to some weird shit lately. Uh, I don't even know the name of it, but it's kind of like... Then there's also Uncle Kyle, and that one gets me hyped, and that one gets Alyssa's steamer hype. When Uncle Kyle says, It's time to go to bed, it's time to brush your teeth now, too. You'd better go to bed, you'd better brush your teeth, you'd better not ask for food. We have a special caller right now, one of your closest bros. Schmitty, Toad here. Uh, okay, so my question is, what was your favorite chili bowl that you attended? You know, Toad and Salmon's Chili Bowl Cook-Off? Uh... Yeah, and then uh, what might have been your favorite uh, favorite thing that Salmon said during the announcing of those chili bowls? What was your favorite thing Coach said? Coach here. Hope you're enjoying this interview so far, and uh, hope you like being in the hot seat, bro. All right, late. All right, chili bowl. What is the chili bowl? The Chili Bowl. Toad and Salmon's Chili Bowl. I think that that's Schmidting. It was a skateboard contest where they also had a chili contest at the same time. So people would make chili and then they would judge it and there would be a winner for the skateboarding and a winner for the chili. It started at Crocker Amazon, this old skate park in San Francisco, and it moved to Petrero when Petrero became a skate park. It was a better place, and so they moved it there. But they also took it to Washington, uh, Seattle. What Toad is looking for is Austin, Texas. Girls Gone Wild with Wieners is what that was. It was like <laughs> dudes with their shirts off on top of tables dancing, drunk out of their mind, and rubbing fucking their boobs up against each other while Hustle Jamie was riding a bike around sweating his ass off. And Halsey was doing backflips off a roof into a lake. It was the funnest time ever. I think that was my first time to Austin, too, which I really love that town. I've gone there a bunch since. But uh, it was gnarly, though. It was super hot, and Gordon Eckler passed out, I believe. And 
start puking because of heat exhaustion. I don't know who won, but that was a fun one. Strubing was there. There was a lot of people from our neck of the woods that traveled to Austin and supported what Toad and and Salmon were doing. Answer, Austin. Favorite quote that... um, Salmon or coach. Salmon said it has to be blaga blaga blaga. Burnside has to be Burnside if it's not Burnside. So Salmon would be announcing the contest and he would say insane shit like during the runs and stuff. <laughs> and I was filming everything and when I'd go back to edit it, almost more crazy <laughs> than the skating was what Salmon was saying. So I would like take out all those things and put them. I wanted to make one of those soundboards that you hit the button and he says, Blaga, 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 blaga. Booyah! Blaga, 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 blaga. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Oh, we're here, Seattle. Oh, it's Burnside, it ain't Burnside. We ain't gonna, if it ain't Burnside. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. Um, Salmon takes a lot of pride in his vocal ability and he does a lot of announcing and he's not afraid to yap it up on the mic. So um, here's a fun fact. He is featured on the side of Lombardi's Sports Shop in San Francisco. There's a huge larger-than-life mural of him snowboarding. True story. We're going to start a new segment here on Talking Schmidt. New segment? A new segment. Wow, executive director has spoke. I have, and this is a special segment with Mr. Joe Brooke. Wow, is he? has he listened to any of these episodes? That I don't know. <laughs> We're pretty sure less than two. All right. So, first of all, a happy belated anniversary to him and Kara. Woo-woo! They were married on October 25th. Two days before my birthday. And Joe's birthday is coming up on November, November 9th. 9th. He's a fellow Scorpio. Scorpio's rule. Yeah. I still don't know if Joe listens to this show. Well. Hey, if Joe listens to the show, please text me and tell me you didn't like me saying you'll listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Schmitty. Tell us about the crib ramp. Did you live in the house? Did you build the ramp? Who were the locals? Let's hear some dirt on the crib ramp. But there was slap covers. There was tons of photos of Phil. Break it down for us. What was it all about? So it's funny. There was so much shit that happened at that ramp. Um, And yes, I lived there. It was in Menlo Park right off the freeway um, behind a Jiffy Lube. And it was one house with no neighbors, a golf course across the street and a Jiffy Lube in front and a freeway in the back. So we had lights and a 32 foot wide mini ramp with two extensions and a zoo box, which was kind of like just a box that we put as an extension on the far end. Eric J. Front planted it. Mike Carroll was there. Wade Spire, Ben Liversedge, Matt Pales, the who's who of who's who. Tim Brock used to come by a lot with his girlfriend and Jason Adams. And 
I don't really remember the question. He just wants to know about that whole scene. Oh, the scene. The scene. Well, the scene was pretty sick, dude, because it was like no neighbors and shit, you know what I mean? I think that that's schmitting. <laughs> I fucking miss Preston so fucking much. Um, I did a alley-oop backside lips slide on that ramp, and I think that I did it pretty long. And I told Preston one time that I could do an alley-oop backside lip slide three sheets. And I never heard the end of it. I have to find that footage because he's looking down. And he's like, come on, Schmitz, where's the footage? I want to see the alley-oop back lip, Schmitz. Like every fucking time. <laughs> no, that ramp was the best. Um, I think skateboarding for me... As a skateboarder, that was the best period in my life. Um, I was skating so much at that time. It was like any kid that's into skateboarding, if somebody was like, you win this, you get to go live at this place with this ramp, they would all beg for it. So I was very lucky. Is that when you lived in the garage? Yeah, I lived in the garage. I built a room in the garage. I had a 100-gallon fish tank which was like six feet long and um, there was no roof. It was just the beams of the attic of the garage over my bed and there was rats running across it all the time. And the funny story is that there was a cat door to the garage to come in and I, cause I had a cat and one in the middle of the night, one night I woke up and uh my cat was like, like I seen it across the room and I was like, what are you doing? And then I was like, wait a minute, my cat's on my lap. <laughs> and I turned the light on. It was a raccoon. A raccoon had walked in through the cat door and came into my room and I start yelling at it. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And it's just looking at me like, oh, you want to get some? <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, just like three in the morning, like out of my head asleep barely what the fuck do i do so i grabbed the ironing board that was right <laughs> next to me and i use it as a shield and i start just yelling like ah! and he finally kind of just was like you're an idiot and turned around <laughs> and bailed but yeah those were really good times with that crew um but the mike carroll session i forget why that happened but they were i think they were all at a demo at wicked or something and they all came to the ramp after and that was pretty epic like andy roy was there like there was so many good people on the ramp it was just stupid nice you spent a lot of time with the felper at the plant and on the road tell us a funny story about jake a funny story about jake well there's so many there's a few things that come to mind one is king of the road las vegas and what happened was we flew to Salt Lake City for the midway point of the King of the Road where we do the midway challenges. And then we flew from uh, Salt Lake back to San Diego. And that was me, Preston, Burnett, and Jake. On the way from Salt Lake to San Diego, there was a layover in Las Vegas. And Jake just got up and was like, I'm out. And we all were like, yeah, right. And he just bounced and he bailed. And we get back to San Diego and he's like, I got a pen 
house blood. I got my <laughs> shit. I'm fucking got my wine. Like I'm just doing my shit. <laughs> like just living it up on the Maloof's dime because no one did it better than Felper. The number one rule I learned from Felper was if someone else is buying, you get the most expensive <laughs> bottle of wine. That was the fucking rule number one. He did not give two fucks about any of that shit. And it was insane to see like, oh, Ruka's buying tonight? All right, what's the most expensive steak and wine you got? Like every time. So Jake got off, starts, you know, he's fucking on one already. And then Burnett, Preston, and I drive from San Diego to Vegas. And we get there. And we have to count the points for the end. Because back then, it would be like the King of the Road would end and we would get all the video and the books and we would tally it up that night. We'd stay up all night counting everything. And then we would, I would put together a best of compilation video that we would show the teams the next day and announce the winner. I don't think anyone was doing things with the internet on the fly. Like when we went to skate rock for the first year and we would do little teasers, like here's what happened today. We're coming to your town tomorrow. No one was doing that. Like the internet wasn't even like important to most people back then. And so when we went to um, Vegas, we went out there to spend the night and do all that stuff for the end of the King of the road. And all I remember is people got fucked up. Costin had to get walked back to his room in a robe. He was just, <laughs> everyone was so annihilated. Like it was the ultimate end of a King of the Road. The night after that, we spent one more night so we could sleep and shit because we were up all night counting the points. And then the next day was the celebration. Who won? Show the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go back and we go to sleep. And Jake wakes Preston and I up at about probably 4 30 in the morning is my guess five ish let's go get some bloody marys I'm like dude we just went to bed like two hours ago and you could never tell jake no so we end up going getting up and this has happened plenty of times in my life we get up jake gets us up we go down we get the bloody marys and then jake goes to the room and goes to bed <laughs> All he fucking wanted to do was make us miserable as he was because Jake couldn't sleep. He had insomnia and he had, you know, he had this torture in his life. Not a lot of people know this, but like he was tortured by his brain being always on, remembering everything, knowing so much information and not being able to turn it off. We were young and having a blast and Jake's the best, so fuck it. Your top five skateboarders from SFC Suck Free San Francisco who is your top five Felper and I were in Copenhagen on that trip I talked about and uh Nikki Guerrero comes up to us and he's like my wife's pregnant and Jake's like is it a boy or a girl he's like it's gonna be a boy and Jake's like do you have a name for the baby and Nikki Guerrero's like no and Jake looks at him and he goes Tommy motherfucking Guerrero Duh. <laughs> There's only one. Tommy Guerrero for life. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. SFC. He put us all on the map. He's the inspiration for everyone. 
and everyone that's doing whatever they're doing, bombing hills, trying to get their style, whatever, it's because of Tommy, and he's the humblest dude, and so duh. How long did you film for Think Skateboards? Give us some epic stories about Think, about being on the road with Phil and Cancer Dan and your boy Tim McKinney. Cancer Dan. I was on the road for many years with Cancer Dan. Let me tell you a little story, Joe Brooke. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but here it goes. I was in Montana one time, and I pulled up to a skate park. It was me and the gut, Sean Gutierrez. I looked over at the bod, and we looked over at danger. <laughs> sure enough, the local Tony bailed the front side air and looked over at us and said, Hey, guys, you wouldn't happen to be with Cancer Dan, would you? <laughs> Fucking corpsey, man. They would always get these amazing skateboarders from like different parts of the world, right? Like Diego the Butcher Butchieri. He's from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Like, how the fuck did they find this guy that can come to San Francisco and backside 180 Wallenberg and then go kickflip back tailed Hubba the next day? But they had this other guy named Veit Kilbert from Germany and Greg, if you're listening, you really did say this is the German Mike Carroll. I we're we're gonna have to heckle you for that. I, to this day, I can't believe Shout you out. called Vite Kilbert the German Mike Carroll. What I was getting at is there was an amazing all-around skateboarder named Ibon Mourinho, and he's from Basque Country of Spain. You know, he had to come to United States and and show what was what was good. He gets put in the filmer's car for a trip down to Arizona. But the filmer's me, and I didn't speak a lick of Spanish back then. And Yvonne didn't speak a lick of English. So we're in the car for fucking like two days straight <laughs> with just not a lot of, you know, probably a lot of music. But that, I, I remember it being kind of awkward. The story also has to be told that Dan Drahobel, Tim Upson were ahead of us by one day. And they're like, meet us at the Nude Bowl. And we'd get to the Nude Bowl. They'd be like, oh, we just left. We're on our way to Flagstaff. And everywhere we went, we were one day behind them. And they they didn't wait. Like It, it was always like, come on, just wait one day and we'll be there. But it never happened. Finally, we meet up with them at Flagstaff. And Yvonne's so stoked because he's stuck with me the whole time. <laughs> And he's like, dude, am I going to be with any fucking rippers? Like, Schmitty, your new deal is great, but fuck. So we get to Flagstaff, and he's like, oh, my God, it's up, Central Hobo. And they're like, later, we're going home. I was like, no way. You know, I think we stayed for two or three days. We went to the Grand Canyon. Like, we had a really great time. Um, the funniest part of it was we were driving through, like, I believe it was, could have been Tempe. And all of a sudden, Yvonne looks at me and goes, uh, stop the car. I need haircut. <laughs> and I was like, wait, you know how to say what? The fuck? <laughs> and from there on, I'd, I think we both tried a little harder to talk to each other. And we had a really rad ride home. We stopped at Simi Valley and skated together and just kind of laughed and had a good time. And fun fact about Yvonne, he had a something else in Thrasher sequence trying to kickflip the third and army gap 
His board shot into my brand new fisheye lens and knocked it off the camera. I got love for Ebon, and the filmer needs to always get his camera out of the way, and I was new to that super wide fisheye, and boom, gone. Big shout out to Joe. Shout out. Want to know a fun fact? Absolutely. Joe Brooke has a video series called Fatback. Uh-huh. That originated from me, Dandra Hobel, and Joe Brooke on a trip to Montana. And Preston, for sure. It was Fatback, Fatback, Fatback. And then Joe ran with it and started making his video series. How often do you pull over at a bar and some guy comes out and calls Evil Knievel and hands you the phone? Yes, that happened. Chet Childress will tell you 100% that happened, and we were right there. And those trips, you know, Mike Burnett used to call them vacations because we weren't at the bottom of a handrail. We were at skate parks the whole time, but we were with the best to do it. Dan Drahobel has been in every Thrasher skate video ever made. Don't forget that, kids. Moving on to some of your other passions. And Andy photographer for the Giants, would like to know which Giants player is your favorite and which Giant player could you envision as a pro skater from any era? Well, I'm going to have to say two. Okay. Because Barry Bonds is the reason. Number 25, the home run leader. And Bonds hits one high. Hits it deep. Dude is from my hometown, San Carlos. I played baseball with his brother, BB, and Ricky went to Sarah. I know the Bonds, and I love those fuckers. And fuck all y'all haters. Hey, hey. No, 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 no. This is my <laughs> podcast. Fuck all you haters. How, this is how we do it in the SFC. We win three and five, baby. That's what's up. But um, Tim Lincecum, number 55, he's the charismatic kid that came in, the freak. I could envision him being a skater, and I could envision him coming over and playing video games with me, and I could envision going to the bar with him. And when we won, his celebration technique was just unprecedented, and fuck yeah forever, duh. When did you become a fan? Of the Giants? Yeah. I think out the womb. So the doctor was wearing a um, Giants jersey, and my mom had broken her leg. So the doctor wrapped the jersey he was wearing around the cast she was wearing so that it would get me out of the womb without bumping up against the extra cast. And the jersey accidentally fell off and landed on me. (laughs) And I've been a Giants fan since. (laughs) Duh. Well, we thought we were done with Joe Brooke, but we're We're never done with Joe Brooke. Most meaningful giant, Giants moments in your life that you have witnessed live at the park. Let's hear some. Break it down for us. Break it down! Game one of the World Series, 2010. Stephanie worked for the MLB. It was my birthday, October 27th. Does this shit write itself? Yes. <laughs> insane, right? Well, guess what? It gets more insane. Stephanie's like, I think I can get you a ticket. I'm like, yeah, right. 
Anyway, somehow fucking all the stars are aligned and she gets me this ticket. I'm walking to the game. I go to the liquor store, get the fucking tall boy for the walk. And I go past Moshi Moshi to third, turn left and head towards the ballpark. I get to about where the new Chase Arena is. And I notice that the ticket is no longer in my back pocket. My heart goes through the fucking ceiling and I turn around and I run back to the liquor store where I bought the tall boy. I'm like, this is going to sound crazy, but you didn't find a World Series ticket, did you? (laughs) (laughs) If I did, would I tell you? Ah, So I'm just, I'm, I'm about to shoot myself. I don't have a gun, but if I did, look out. And I start walking down the street, backtracking my steps. And I swear to God, the ticket is upside down across the street from Moshi Moshi on the sidewalk where people were walking by. But it was upside down, so you could only see like the text of the back of the ticket. You couldn't see that it was like what it was. To this day, I don't know if I've ever been lucky or like. But was that the game that Pablo Sandoval hit two home runs off Verlander, the very first World Series? The um, aftermath celebration of the first World Series when they had won the entire World Series, they were world champions, 2010. The mission has never rock and rolled like that. People were surfing on taxis and buses. People were building bonfires and doing kickflips through them. It was the best night of my life. It was Tony V out on the streets with his hands in the air with Luke and the crew. Like the vibes were insane. It is just really good. And I think that they had a big part to do with why the dog patch and, and, and uh, mission rock and all that stuff has evolved and the city has grown and uh, good or bad. You can't deny that that place did not look like it does today before that stadium was there. And if you want to know why that stadium worked, there's only one fucking number that you need to know, and that's 25, Barry Bonds. He sent people home happy more than anyone else in the history of life. So don't ever forget <laughs> that. I like to remind you that I was at the game when he broke the home run record. So Steph made that night possible for you. She's a special lady. Like, shout out, Steph. Shout out. Shout out, Steph. Shout out, Jeanette. Shout out, shout out Carly. Shout out. You know, the froze are real. Shout out. So don't ever forget the froze. And they'll tell you, if you did forget them, they'll tell you you forgot them. So don't forget them. Uh, I love those girls. We've spent the best fucking times ever. Well, actually, the froze have submitted some questions for you. Oh. And here's the first one. Hey, Schmitty, it's Jeanette. Happy birthday, fellow Scorpio. Hope you have an amazing birthday. Question for you. What was one of your fondest memories from one of our Scorpio Fests? Scorpio Fest was such a cool thing because we had so many friends that were Scorpios. And Scorpios have always had a bad rap because they're like evil they're jealous (laughs) they're they're angry like i don't know there's you know they're great in bed and (laughs) i don't know what it is but somehow a lot of my friends ended up being scorpios and we started realizing it and we started having these parties and we called them scorpio fest but i just loved the ones that we went to buca de beppo i don't even think buca de beppo exists anymore but 
we used to get the Pope room and we would have a huge table and we would all gather around and we would just have a blast and order Chianti in the basket and get loads of family style food and just all talk and just laugh and have a good time. And we had such a big crew that it was kind of like skate rock where you could go anywhere and it didn't matter because you brought the party. Once a lot of those people start moving out of San Francisco, I think we let our guard down and that's where the scooters and the uniwheels and all that shit came in. So I'm blaming Halsey, Jeanette, Stephanie, all you people that moved out of town. And you're the reason. All right. Here's uh, another fro. Hey, Smitty. Carly here. Love you lots. Um, I was trying to think of a question that didn't result in a horrifyingly embarrassing story. And so I'm going to keep it PG. And what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a little kid, besides skateboarder, can't say skateboarder, mm. besides that. Well, I really wanted to be a food dude. <laughs> yes. Yes, kid. Shout out Dan Nazaretto. Shout I mean, out. obviously, it was a baseball player. Smitty, happy birthday. It's a big one. Now that you've got 50 birthdays under your belt, you know, I've got these kids and I've got to plan parties, so I need some advice from an experienced birthday guy. (laughs) All right, here we go. Cake or cupcakes? Cupcakes. Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Balloons or a pinata? Ooh, pinata. And finally, a clown or a magician wasco clown all right happy birthday schmitty i'm sorry i can't be there to celebrate with you have an amazing day love you steph thank you oh uh you mentioned food dude sf food dude sf food dude our mutual friend mr nazaretta mm-hmm. grew up with the guy no credit the pride of pleasanton dan <laughs> nazaretta wants to know which annoys you more the half giants half a's hat or the uniwheel guy? Ooh. I'd say the uniwheel guy annoys me more. At least the guy that has the two teams on his hat is at a <laughs> baseball game. The uniwheel guy is just clueless. Every fucking, what, you make $10 billion, so you bought a $1,700 toy that sucks? <laughs> I hate that thing. But um, we're trying not to hate... The vampires are out. Tim, save me. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to shift gears. And it's lights out. Away we go. Great stuff about. Hi, Greg. Did you watch the race? Talk to you later. It's me, Flegro. That's me, Papa. My dad, Al Camisa. He's interested in knowing a little bit about your Formula One knowledge. It It is not deep. It's not deep. My but Rolodex is deep. My F1 knowledge, not so I gotta be honest. All right, so let's do a little trivia. McKenny, can you give me a big shout out to Max Verstappen? Shout, 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 shout out. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we're gonna start easy. Okay. Who is my favorite racer, and which country is he from? That would be Fernando Alonso. Oh, he's from Spain. Yes. How long does it take the pit crew to change four tires? Um, this one time, the Ferrari team ran over one of the guys that was changing <laughs> the tire, and I thought that was kind of ridiculous. It's like, uh, somebody's getting fired. I would say 4.6 seconds. Oh, three seconds is the average. Although Philippe Massa, 
holds the record 1.92 seconds. How long did it take you to change your tire on the grapevine? Actually, not that long, but it took me a long time to find a replacement tire because I had a donut. But yeah, I've changed tires on the grapevine and I've had one with Sarah. Can we play right now a little bit of the fall guy? Well, I'm not the kind to kiss and tell, but I've been seen with Farrah. I've never been with anything less than a nine. So fine. I've been on fire with Sally Field, gone fast with the girl named Bo. But somehow they just don't end up as mine. It's a death-defying life I lead. I take my chances. I die for living in the movies and TV. But the hardest thing I ever do is watch my leading ladies kiss some other guy while I'm bandaging my knee. I might fall from a tall building. I might roll a brand new car. Cause I'm the unknown stuntman. <laughs> Who is considered a genius racing in the rain? Uh, the rain man, Senna, right? Yeah. Yeah, you Good know, job. until he died. Has anyone noticed what an eclectic range of likes I have? Exactly. That reminds me of my good friend Antonius Dincho. If you need some electrical done, come on out to Eclectic Electric. He's in San Francisco, and he's recently moved to Orinda, California. I think that that's Schmidting. Shifting gears. Okay. Let's talk about Fausto. Fausto Vitello. Pesto, yes. as Jake would call him. He was into racing, right? He was. Yeah, he owned this company called Track Magic that did kart racing and they had a team and they repaired and sold carts. And that was pretty sick because I got to go race one of those up in Davis one time because I helped him with their website way back then. True or false, Fausto owned a Ferrari. True. Um, No, I think Fausto had a few Ferraris, but I'm pretty sure... Fausto bought a Ferrari, and the first day he got it, he drove out to Highway 5 to see how fast it could go. How could you even say anything good about Fausto? Because everything has already been said. Like, anything I say, it doesn't even put a a glimpse on, like, what that guy did for what we are doing. You know what he is? He is the fucking common ancestor of skateboarding. He brought all this shit in and let us evolve into what we're doing now. So fucking use that upstairs for a while, (laughs) kids, huh? You just dropped a science bomb. So before you got employed by Think, did you have another job to pay the bills? Yeah, even when I was filming for Think, I had another job. I was working full time at a restaurant. So I was kind of creating my schedule and giving myself the days off I needed to work around the skating. And then that restaurant went out of business. So I got unemployment for a year and then I was getting paid under the table. Um, I hope you guys don't get busted, but you're not a company anymore. So I don't think you can. (laughs) Yeah. So that was one of the best years of my life. Like that was right when I met Diego Buccieri and he started staying at my house after Phil died. I've never filmed to this day with someone that knew exactly what they wanted to do and had so much energy to do it than Diego. 
He came with a list. He knew where he wanted to go. A lot of times he knew how he wanted it filmed. And we just started attacking stuff. And we drove all around the country. You know, I I would give a lot of credit to Diego for helping me just be at the right place at the right time with the right people. Phil opened the door and Diego kept the door open. And then there's no doubt that Dan Drehobel... Like I filmed his think stuff and then crooked stuff and thrasher stuff. And we've just been really good friends through the whole process. And it's just been really cool to do things for as long as I have with people that I admire and have such a good time with outside of skateboarding as well. Well, what was the transition time from think? to Thrasher and was it Fausto that hired you did Jake hire you as far as I remember Phil died August 23rd 1998 I think I would say August 26 it was probably two or three days after Phil died I went up to Thrasher and Think which are right across the street from each other Jake was there Jake pulled me aside at some point and he said are you ready And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you're coming to work for us now. Basically that I was the one that knew Phil and he knew Phil and he knew me. I don't think that there was anything more to it than that. A lot of people knew Fausto, but I think you knew him in a different way as a manager, kind of the boss man. But you've also described the Vitellos as like family to you. So talk to me about your relationship with Fausto. Fausto was probably a big reason why Jake was the way he was. Fausto was just no nonsense, straight to it, knew exactly what he wanted to do. And he'll tell you that everything he touches turns to gold. I mean, if you talk to Danny Way, Dwayne Peters, Steve Olson, Cardiel, all these people that are legends of what we do, I'm pretty sure that at the top of their list is Fausto Vitello. And that was my guy. That was the guy that was giving me a check and giving me orders. This guy had a huge part of independent trucks, uh, creating skateboarding in San Francisco, the city that I loved, and thrasher fucking magazine the bible the best thing out for me it was really cool and i can't say enough thanks the vitello family has just been like they have been family they've done so much for me they've been there for me so many places through my life and fausto gave me a chance and i've seen him give other people a chance that don't have the qualifications but he sees something in them like their passion or their heart or their friends with the right people. And I think it was mostly because I was friends with Paul Zawanich and Paul was a yes man that could get the job done. <sighs> you know, when he, when he passed, it was very difficult. I, I sat next to Sally and held her hand through his memorial. Like Sally and I have been friends since she was a very young kid Gwen came in and she's been like a second mother to me, um, helped me through lots of struggles in my life. And and Tony, you know, I've known Tony as a kid. I, we went in the limousine to the Skater of the Year party 
me, Craig Stesick, Tony Vitello, and a blind hubba date. And that was fucking never forget that. I was the guy that made the Juxtapose website. I was the guy that made Track Magic's website, his go-kart thing. I was the guy, along with Paul Zawanich, that took the Thrasher website, which was a piece of shit, and got called out in Transworld. And Paul and I took it to a level that was respectable. And then I started Slap's website. So I was doing four websites at one time for for Fausto, along with Freedom and Think. So just to put that into perspective, imagine one guy doing six websites at one time. And in 2019, that one guy is doing one website with probably 10 other people. What's a special memory that you hold dear to your heart about Fausto? Maybe something you and him did together or... It was funny because he gave Paul his Porsche and Paul and I were really good friends and we spent a lot of time driving around in Fausto's Porsche and Paul did so much for the Vitellas. He would go open their garage door when they were on vacation. He would dress up like a coffee mug for the cafe that Fausto and Swenson owned. Like The thing that I hold on to about Fausto mostly is like his leadership and his legend being in the same building as me and seeing like how he operated and how many people respected him. To me, I guess it was interesting to see that this guy wasn't only a lion in his den. He was a lion in every den. Outside of his den, he was still the same lion. And that was like, wow, this guy is a king. He's not just like our boss. He's everyone's boss. He can go to some foreign land and yell at other skaters, and he has that much respect. Whoa. So that's, you know. Let's do a thrasher lightning round. Lightning. Lightning round. Thunder. Are you ready? Sure. First thing that comes to mind when I ask you, favorite Thrasher magazine cover? Phil Shaw, Fort Miley. Kookiest merchandise item ever sold by Thrasher? Um, I'll, I don't know, but I do know there was a shirt graphic that had like a big fat guy doing a 360 flip that was horrible. <laughs> who should be skater of the year who hasn't been skater of the year? Mark Gonzalez. Will there be a female skater of the year? That's a good question. I would love to say yes, but I think if we're being honest that it's going to have to wait a while and some girl is going to have to come in and really go batshit because the guy's level right now is fucking nuts. Do we want a girl skater of the year? Do we want a female skater of the year? Do we want to brand it like that? I don't know. Hmm. And I think that's a question for women. I wish that maybe the women could speak on that and then Thrasher could do something that they'd be stoked on because I I would love to see women getting acknowledged. I know that Alyssa has told me before she didn't want to be the greatest female skater. She just wanted to be a great skateboarder. Yeah. So do we want a female skier of the year? I'm down if the girls are down, 
But if the girls think that's kind of a diss, then we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's a touchy one. It needs to be an Alyssa, a Lizzie, a Nora. I think these girls need to speak out on that and say, we would like that or we don't want that. And I'm pretty sure if they did want that, something could be done. Here's the question. Are we going to have a woman president? Yes. Well, if we're going to have a woman president, then we can have a woman anything. Rad. All right, last question. If you were on the cover of Thrasher, which trick would you be doing? And a follow-up, who would take the photo? My name's Greg Smith. I have a podcast called Talkin' Schmidt, so it has to be a Smith grind for the trick. The photographer, I would like it actually to be Lance Dawes probably. When he wants to, he can take one of the best skate photos there's so many good photographers out there, but um, actually Lance shot a photo of me doing a backside disaster on my ramp that was in slap. That's cool. All right. Well, to follow up on the question or when we were talking about Fausto, you mentioned the website and Joe Hamicky is actually calling in with a question. Smitty, for- I got a question for you. Can you get me a shirt for Ansel? <laughs> He's grown out of the last one. Happy half century, Schmitty. What I want to know is, what year did you build the Thrasher website? And was there a template in place, or did you start from scratch? The story goes like this. Thrasher had a website, and it just had a a few square images on the front of it. And it was basically like a products page. And Transworld did an article in their printed magazine, the top 10 worst uh, websites in skateboarding. (laughs) And listed Thrasher as one of the top 10 worst websites in skateboarding. Well, that really bit them in the ass. If you look for Transworld on the newsstands today, you'll notice that they're not a magazine anymore. And this could be the date in history that they would like to go back and change. Because no one cared about websites at this time, but they brought it to Fausto's attention And now we have the number one website in skateboarding. Fausto was so fucking determined. And that was the best time to answer your previous question. Fausto came in and gave me and Paul the keys to the kingdom. So there was a deluxe in San Mateo at the time. And we would go down there two or three times a week and get skateboards and come up, photograph them and put them on the website and say, Win a free skateboard. We were giving skateboards away every day wow. to bring people to the website. Wow. That's how determined he was. And we did whatever we wanted. I did a blind date for the Skater of the Year that was my whole idea. I went and put photos of five guys that worked at Thrasher on the website and said, Girls, send in your story. <laughs> what? we're going to pick a winner and we'll pick you up at the airport and take you to the skater of the year party with the guy that you choose. And it, it happened. I filmed it. We got Sally. Sally still asks for the video clips today. She wants, it's not on the website anymore, but I definitely have the video footage. Oh my God. Can you please put it up on the website? Yeah, we'll look for it. Well, actually one of your coworkers from Thrasher is calling in right now. Mr. Michael Burnett. What? First of all, happy 50th birthday 
Can't believe it. You made it. Fuck yeah. Hope it's a great one. Um, I got a few questions for you on this special 50th podcast. Number one, that secret trick you do, which I call the Schmitty, the nose press grab. I want to know all about it. Where'd you get this trick from? Had you seen it before? How did you master it? What's the most treacherous terrain you performed on it? <laughs> and uh, do you think, how long can you take it? 60, 65, 70? When will be your last Schmitty to fakie? All right. Second question. I want to hear about your top three favorite road trips of all time. Maybe it's Skate Rock. Maybe it's that time we went to Europe and burned it down. Maybe it's some other thing with Phil we don't even know about. I want to hear about some of the best road trips you've ever been on, and please spare no details. And then finally, let's hear this. Let's get some Desert Island details. If you had to bring one book, one skate video, one album, and one person to this deserted island, and one food item, what would it be? Anyway, happy 50th birthday. Hope it's terrific. Have a great time wherever you may go. All right. Thanks. Bye. Wow, Mike. Thank you for calling in. I am going to start in reverse order. Let's see if I can remember these questions. The deserted island question, I'm going to say Confederacy of Dunces would be the book I would bring. No! Oh, yeah. Video I would bring, I would try to sneak in a box set, if that's allowed, which would be the Peastone Brewery series. The food item would either be watermelon or popcorn. The album would be Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction. And the person would be Cheryl Amber Camisa. Shout out. She's good at conversation. She's good at cuddling. And she's really easy on the eyes. Three road trips. Well, Mike nailed it without a doubt, 150%. Imagine your first trip to Europe, right? Okay, here it goes. I'm fucking at the airport. I'm scared out of my mind. I hate flying. I'm fucking going to Copenhagen to room with Jake Phelps alone. I'm fucking tripping, right? Guess what? Phone rings. Who is it? Sally. Why is Sally calling me? Something must be wrong. Pick up the phone. No big deal. Eric Swenson just killed himself. I get to fucking Europe. Dave Sipniewski picks me up and tells me that Jake just hit him in the face because he told him that Swenson was dead. I walked in the door. Dave dropped me off. The whole table is filled with empty bottles of some sort of alcohol. And Jake did not look okay. I was really scared Jake was going to just throw in the towel. Four days of our Copenhagen trip, and then we got on a plane to go to Paris where I had the most incredible time of my life. I roomed in a hotel room with a happy Jake Phelps, a even happier P-Stone My Getter, a even happier Stags, DJ Stags, love her to death, Ryan McWhorter's sister, Jenna, and Peabody and Sean Gutierrez. We had... All of us in one hotel room with two beds. It was phenomenal for six days, two blocks away from our museum location where there was a big mini ramp 
and inside was an art installation. Peabody got the fucking cover of Thrasher. Are you kidding me? Dinosaur Jr. played with bad shit. P-Stone made the most insane video to this day I've ever seen that played all around the whole museum on video screens. It was like 49er highlights to Manson highlights to just evil shit that Jake had said. Jake basically gave Preston a list of all this shit, whether it was the Unabomber to 49ers to whatever it may be. And Preston took the whole list, went on YouTube, downloaded all of it, and made an edit that played on loop while bad shit played with flames everywhere. The goat was there, Andrew Reynolds with Spanky, Shane Hale, and uh, Beagle. Atiba was there with his brother. It was, you know, their twins. It was their birthday. Burnett, love you to death, but I don't know why you had a hotel on the other side of the town by yourself, <laughs> you know? But every morning we'd meet for those chocolate, I forget what you call them, but it's like con chocolate, you know? And Mike would have the French. Uh, he would try to talk French. Uh, I loved it. But we just had a blast. We went to fucking three cemeteries i believe looking for jim morrison and each one was the wrong one but mike got an epic photo one of the best photos of preston of all time preston my getter in a cemetery pointing to a tombstone that says beer on it find that king of the road challenge <laughs> so that's number one guaranteed two and three we're going to do real quick in no particular order, Montana, and you know what? I've been on three skate rock trips, and all three of them have been the best. So we'll put all three of those as number two or three, but just for shits and giggles, I'm going to say the first skate rock trip because it was the first. I met Sammy Baca on that trip, who is the homie forever love that dude tony and trixie got married that was insane preston and i were up all night every night in the same room going through that day's footage making a teaser that fades to black right before the punch and you hear the audio and the text would say next town and whatever it was like this just happened in fresno we'll be in madera tomorrow come get some oh you liked what happened in madero come get us in sacramento no one was doing that preston and i's whole goal was to make jake stoked because jake would stoke everybody and when that all worked out what jake say drinks for the boys i could do a whole podcast on one of those trips but the montana trip dan drobel got the cover i did the whole article um, Joe Brooke did all the photos and it was my first time to Montana, my only time to Montana. And we met Hubbard in Dillon, Montana, where he was finishing one of the most unique skate parks I've ever skated. My life's been blessed. Listen to those names. And then I'm in there somehow. So, yeah. All right. And then his last question was about the Schmitty. The Schmitty to Fakey is obviously the Danny Sargent to Fakey. Come on, Mike. Uh, Danny Sargent did it on a wall in a New Deal ad. Just a silly circus thing that I can do at a lot of places. 
Um, the gnarliest one I've ever done, Taj Mahal. It's got to be Taj Mahal, dude. Pal. How old will I do it? As long as I'm still skating, I think I can do that trick. Ronnie Sandoval writes in <laughs> and asks, how does it feel to be part of skateboarding for so many years, seeing history being made, seeing some of your friends go, and also meeting new friends? Does it feel any different now than it was in the past? What it feels like is life. It's kind of like starting a new book. The first chapter is always hard to get into the book, but if it's a good book, once you're in the second chapter, you start reading more fluidly. Well, right now, I'm in that first chapter, I think, after what I've dealt with the last couple of years. From the misty mountaintops. Heard you're 10 or 50, think that's pretty nifty. Always been a good friend, gonna love you till the very end. Hey, Shemetti, happy 50th, happy birthday, happy birthday. This is Katie Knox sending you love from Sweden. Have a question for you. And I can't help but think about your mother. Now that I'm a mom to a young boy, I want to ask you about her ways that she perhaps shaped you into becoming such a good man. So many good memories with you. Um, miss you, miss you. Bye. Oh, was that a little reverb? So the question was about me, mama. My mom's just, you know, she's been everything for me since I was born. Me and my brother were her everything at that point. So she did a lot of going out of her way and putting up with a lot of bullshit to make sure we were happy. And I think that that carried into me wanting to like make other people happy. Sometimes I try to be funny to a fault, but I always think that making someone laugh is probably one of the greatest things in life. And so my mom had that and she would laugh at my jokes. She understood that I was being sarcastic most of the time and she wouldn't take things serious. And she's always been a trooper. She's always supported me. She was always my number one fan. And to have the support when you're trying to be creative is so important. And she has been my number one cheerleader for 50 years. So much love to my mom and much love to you, Katie. I miss you so much. I haven't got to meet your child. I don't even think I've met your husband, but I look forward to a day where either I'm over there or you're over here. So thanks for chiming in. All right. You've played the name game with some of your guests, including guest number 43. I thought we'd try it. Okay. Bryce Knight. Whoo, Studio 43. Cheryl Camisa. Mi amor. Dandra Hobel. Fuck you. Sally Vitello. Sister. Alyssa Steamer. Who's that? Alyssa Steamer. Have you been to Roxy? And your mom. The reason I'm here. All right, so one thing I've learned about skate cultures you guys have the best nicknames these are my favorite nicknames number five toad number four fatty shout out fatty love fatty shout out number three i've always been intrigued by this name and now i know how he got the name thanks to your podcast episode neck face don't tell anybody but he's from stockton number two jaws that's your favorite movie Thank you. And I also love his mouth harp. 
that he plays. Yes, at the end of each episode. All right, and then can you guess what my favorite? Pigpen? No. I just learned about Prozac. (laughs) Sperm. There's so many good ones. I have no idea. Puppy Breath. Oh. It's just cute. Jake Palladino. Hightower. So, Schmitty, what would be my nickname? I think your nickname originally was LGP, which I embroidered on your stocking, and that stands for Little Giggle Pants. Speaking of names, if I could invent a skate trick, I would call it the Snooze Cruise. What do you think that would look like? I came up with the Snooze Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of look like Lance Mountain's Nightmare Air. I don't know. Snooze Cruise might be like doing an air off a jump ramp, going to sleep in the air and landing in the water or something. I don't know. With Halloween, well, it's just around the corner, actually. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a thing called Trick or Treat. And you're going to list five tricks that you've filmed that are truly memorable, real treats. I mean, my first clip that made a video of Kinjemi has to be a treat. And you're going to have to do some digging to find that. So it could be a treat in that respect, too. It's not often you see this clip. I probably already said this five bazillion times, but my friend... Jimmy Greco, uh, switch frontside flip, the Lincoln steps for the covers. What an experience that was. If not the top one, this is definitely in the top five. Preston Mygetter doing a blunt slide in the butter bowl for a keg in Seattle, Washington. I mean, if that doesn't speak treat to you. You probably need to go buy one of those unowheel things, put your helmet on, and run into a wall. Something of Phil Shaw, obviously. There was a doubles clip of Dan Drahobel and Phil at Yuba City. And then everything I've filmed down Wallenberg, which is a long laundry list. But I just filmed Miles do a switch backside heel flip down Wallenberg. You cannot get too jaded for Wallenberg. For a while, every time I went, there was a make. It was rare for a while. Dan Z was wanting me to go because my record was pretty good. Every time I went, it was like, dude made his trick, so. Hi, Greg, this is your friend, John Mitani from the University of Michigan. I'm in the jungles of Uganda where I've studied chimpanzees for 25 years. Well, Gordon Getty and I would like to know about your knowledge of whales. Instead, I'll ask you to name the five types of apes. As things turn out, I've studied all of them, so I hope that you can answer correctly. If you do, I'll take you out to Blue Plate for dinner. Happy birthday, and go to Africa with Cheryl. How about this, John? It was earlier in our relationship. (laughs) It might have been a year, might have been two years ago. I was in some (laughs) crazy conversation with my crazy girlfriend at the time. And she says, you've been dating me for three years and you don't know the five apes. (laughs) So if I fuck this one up, you owe me blue plate either way, bro. (laughs) What the fuck are you doing to me? (laughs) All right. I'm going to have to. I'm struggling, though. We're going chimpanzees for sure. We're going bonobo. We're going uh, gorilla. Can I say as a little intermission that her favorite uh, monkey is a lemur? 
Look, four and five. So we got bonobo, chimpanzee, gorilla, orangutan for four. And the fifth one for the blue plate and the fried chicken and the dollar only and the bruschetta with filet mignon is Gibbon. Yes. See you, Blue Plate. Stay safe over there, John. I hear the Zika is making a strong comeback. Wear protection. Hey, Greg. Angela and Drew here. Happy birthday. Drew has a question for you. Hey, Greg. Happy birthday. My question is, what is the greatest movie ever made and why? That's such a hard question. How about this? Let's just go with the first movie that got me fired up on surround sound. And if you don't know about surround sound in 2019, that Uniwheel, still waiting. What we need to tell you is Apocalypse fucking now, opening scene with this is the end and a helicopter circling you in the speakers. If someone can come up with a better surround sound moment in the history of cinematography, I will give you a t-shirt. True or false, Drew was the first person to purchase a Talking Schmidt hat. That would be true. Appreciate the support from you guys. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. So I've really been struggling in finding a way to talk to you about this stuff because it's pretty heavy. And... My heart has been aching for you and your friends who have had really significant losses these last few years. I mean, I remember the calls that I received from you when Preston and Jake passed away. And I think it's fair to say that the loss of a loved one changes the people left behind in really profound ways. And I'm wondering how has the passing of so many of your beloved friends, how has that changed you? Well, I could answer it like Jake, which would be like, what? They're fucking dead. Well, I want to hear how Greg Smith would answer it. I just keep aspiring to be the best version of myself as I can. Um, As I lose people in my life, it hurts like hell, but I have to hold on to what I got and just keep moving forward. I definitely don't feel like that I've shown how hard it's been but maybe i'm just tougher than i think i am i don't know i just think that skateboarding is the best thing that's ever happened and i'm so fucking lucky to be a part of it and if i can stay in it why wouldn't i tim mckinney asked me to share this question with you schmitty i got a question for you it pertains to trying to help our fellow man when they are reaching out towards us because i've had two people do it and the two, two people that did, once John Ackleberry, a gra- grapher, sick skateboarder, gone. Phil reached out, said he had a problem, gone. And when they asked you the question, hey, Tim, I just want you to know, man, I got a problem. And all you can do is sit there and go, hey, I remember both of them. Here's my skate. At least for John, it was here's a skateboard. It was the fool, one of my favorite graphing. Here, take this fool's. Don't sell it. That's what I told him. Phil... On the other hand, he was injured. I remember he had dandruff in his hair, and it wasn't the same fill. It was due to him being injured, not being able to skate. I know that's what it was. And I remember telling him, well, just skate. dude. You just got to skate when you can heal. 
Not out long after that, he was gone. But I just wonder, that's my question for you. Have you ever been in that circumstance where you've got a buddy that you care about because of his potential and how sick he is and just, you know, what you see in these guys and they tell you because they confide in you and see the same in you. They go, hey, Schmidt, dude, I just want you to know I got a problem. It's like, have you ever been there? And if you could, for our fellow man to try to save a brother, what would you tell the fellow man to say to them? And I know that's a hard question. What can you? We're our, we're our own worst enemy, and we can't change. But I wish we could. I wish there was something we could say to not lose another one. There's too many going, guys. I'm not an expert, and I don't play one on TV. But in my opinion... Getting fucked up doesn't help anything. It avoids everything. And what you're avoiding is always going to be there. The question is if you're going to get fucked up for the rest of your life to avoid it or if you're going to come back to reality and face it. So you need to face it and you need to get through it. And to do that, you need to have all your strength. So what do I recommend? I recommend laying off the sauce, getting plenty of sleep, surrounding yourself with only positivity and love, and strengthen yourself from within. Be happy with yourself. Have goals. Stay busy in a positive way. And just continue to do what you know will make you happy. Get into coffee. That should be your drug. (laughs) Wake up and get stoked. Go fucking skateboarding. Skateboarding will help you for sure. And you have to just remind yourself that this too shall pass. You will get through it and it will get better eventually. As Alyssa once said, If there's anything I can do, always feel free to reach out to me and email or call or text, and I'll try to help you if I can. I'm holding back tears, as you can probably hear in my voice, but uh, yeah, sorry if I rambled. I can imagine Tim is smiling right now. To this day, you got boys loving you. What up, Schmitty? Happy birthday. All right, so I know how much you love your true or false questions, so here's a little trivial pursuit, true or false for you. On the first stop of a skate rock in about, I think, 2010, we're in Atlanta, and Jake hit his head in the corner of the wall in the hotel room. He instantly went down, snoring, blood leaking everywhere. True or false, you went straight to the bathroom, grabbed the handy sewing kit, and sewed him up until you guys got him to the hospital to get like proper stitches, staples in his head true or false god damn you that would be false i fucking passed out sorry let's just put it this way peabody came to my hotel room later that night and said god damn it schmitty never do that to me again (laughs) true or false though if we're playing true or false there was a board slide in detroit on a two-sided curb that you landed first try Smooth, rolled away like no problem. <laughs> True or false, Triggs. <laughs> Bye for now. Dandra Hobel told me once, the moment that you can't remember how long it's been since your last drink is when you officially stop drinking. 
I have craved alcohol. I've craved it frequently, but I want to give you the top two times that I've craved it the most. Once it was wine, and it was watching Game of Thrones and watching Peter Dinklage just guzzle it from a fucking epic, like, old chalice. But the number one time, the closest I've ever gotten to throwing in the towel was with my girl here, the executive director. She brought me down to meet the goat, (laughs) Jane Goodall. And she offered me a sip of her whiskey. To this day, think about going back in time and saying, what are you fucking doing? Get in there. (laughs) Even if you have to do the Chris Hosm fake toss over the shoulder, drink with fucking Jane. God damn it. Shout out to Jane Goodall. Shout Shout out. out. Kind of a big deal. I got to be honest with you, Becker. Let's talk about someone who loved beer. I never met him. And that's Preston. And I'm wondering if he helped you deal with the anxieties of traveling. And did you did he show you how or inspire you to see new places? <laughs> well, you want me to give you a Preston imitation? Come on. How many of these I got to give you? Come on, Schmitz. All you got to do is get on the plane. I don't think Preston had any idea what anxiety was. If you're blessed with not having anxiety, you really should fucking high five yourself because you're a lucky motherfucker. He didn't really tell me anything that helped me, but he showed me that if I went with him, 100% everything was going to be okay. And that confidence helped a lot. So Preston's love, Anna, was really excited to help celebrate your 50th birthday. And she actually called in, um, left a message remembering your birthday 10 years ago. Mm, I remember. I remember 10 years ago, Preston's face lit up and he said, Anna, I'm going to go to Schmitty's and surprise him for his birthday. So what he ended up doing was buying 40 cans and then placing them on the sidewalk outside of your stoop in the shape of the number 40. And then he rang your doorbell and saying happy birthday. I thought it was 40, 40 answers, but no, it was cans. Anyway, um, happy birthday. Hope you have a really good one. So I go down the stairs and there lies, he basically made the number 40 with 40 beers. He came in and we tried to drink all 40 of them. The funny thing about Preston is since the day I met him, I have so many photos of him where he's like, blowing his cheeks out or like sticking his tongue out or doing these horrible he would try to make the worst face he could possibly make almost every photo i'm pretty sure there's some of him doing selfies with me in the background passed out it's gonna get better because oscar and felix are calling in hey this is felix and oscar what is your favorite memory of our dad Woo! oh dog the licks you know what i like a lot preston took us to this pool in the back of mark hubbard's yard and it was this super gnarly pool that had been there for a long time and on the drive there preston's like schmitty i got a 12 pack if you can drop in anywhere in this pool and i'm like what and 
it's that gnarly? And he's like, I'm not saying it's gnarly. I'm just saying I'll give you a 12-pack if you fucking drop in anywhere in this pool. You got that one? I was like, I'll give it. I mean, I've never been here. Let's go check it out. So I do it. When we get there, I look around, and this pool is tight and, and gnarly. And it's um, the old one, the original one. West Seattle, Hubbard. Boom. I drop in. I make it. That goes over to the Butter Bowl, which is right next to that pool, is a more modern bowl that's easier to skate, better trannies, better concrete, newer. I put a keg on the line because I didn't think Preston could do a blunt in there. And he does the blunt. So I drive him to a liquor store to get a keg to bring back and take to this house that we're staying with pizza and a full party night. It was the end of an amazing trip we took. It was our first time to Orcas Island and we met a bunch of people in Seattle and it was great. Anyway, most people know that story. What they don't know, and this is for you and Oscar and Felix, what kind of guy your dad was is that he looked at people and listened to people and connected with people and he didn't care where they were in society if they were five star four star broke rich omega they had five million followers or they weren't on instagram did not matter each person was the same to him and he talked to them as if they were the same he treated people with the utmost respect and he loved hearing new things about new places and new adventures this couldn't have been more of an example. So we drive to the liquor store, just he and I, and we're laughing. He's giving me shit. Pre your dad, Preston, loved to give me shit. We love to give each other shit. Anytime that we blew it, we let each other know in a fun way. Never hatred. It was always love. But we could joke around with each other because we knew next time I slip up, you're coming at me. So if you slip up, I got to get you. And that's how we played. But we're going to the get the keg. And before we get to the liquor store, I'll never forget this. Preston looks at me. I'm driving. He goes, hey, stop. Your uncle died here, right? Yep, he did. My uncle died in Seattle. He's like, didn't you say that there was a pub somewhere that had a tribute to him with a plaque? And I was like, yeah, I'm not sure where it is. He's like, can you make a call and find out where it is? And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, yep, we're going. We're having a fucking pint for your uncle before we get the keg. That's what kind of guy your dad was. Forever love for Preston. That meant so much to me. It was the first time I ever went to the bar where my uncle had a tribute to. He died at an early age. And my uncle was kind of like a second father to me. He took me to all the baseball games. Your dad was obviously a great man. You should be so proud. Oscar, I see so much of you and him. Felix, I know that your determination in skateboarding and how you approach your early days, he would be so proud of both of you guys. And I've told you both to your face, and I'll say it now if you're listening, I'm here 24-7 for you guys. You will always be my kids, my family. 
I got nothing but love for you in any way that I can help you ever. I'm here. You know my number. You know my email. You know my DM. Whatever you got to do, your mom knows it. So cheers to you kids. I love you guys. I had the best time. You guys actually made the Rip Ride weekend. You were the highlight for me. So big love to you guys. Hope to see you soon. Say, Schmitty, you should make that nose blunt. Please. Please. So Dan can lick his cat's butt. One of your listeners to the show, Joseph Pelicus, has a great question. It's going to kind of help us wrap this interview up. If you could relive one day in your skateboarding life, what day would it be? I mean, does this count? If I could drive up and just fucking pin Phil to the ground so he didn't get in the car with that girl and die? Does that count? Does it count that I could drive up to Orcas Island and drive Corey and Preston home safely? Um, Those would be the two that come to mind for me. You want answers? (laughs) You can't handle the truth! I can't handle that answer. I wasn't expecting that. Well, you yeah. follow up a segment with something. I know. Just, I thought we were going to. I thought that was going to bring it, it fun? up. Well, let's do the fun version. Okay. Let's if do If I could relive the uh, just a, a fun experience to to relive it, to enjoy it for another time. Yeah. That's where I thought you were going to go. I would say we'd have to go to Vegas for the Boost Mobile contest. I just can't even believe that thing happened. It was so incredible. But Dave Simnewski used to work for Boost Mobile before Thrasher, and he put on this event at Las Vegas, and we all went out there, and we all had rooms, and there was a skateboard contest at the Hard Rock Cafe run by Thrasher. No rules, just Thrasher's rules, which were no rules. Jake and Mickey announcing... It was fucked up. Cardiel, Max, Trujillo, Costin, the names, all the guys you wanted were there. I was in my prime for drinking and staying up really late. Probably could do an all-nighter without any additional help. Lincoln Park playing a concert and all of us getting free tickets to go. Nobody wanted to go. Jim Greco and I grab everyone's tickets that didn't want to go, go outside and sell them to a line of people that did want to go and made so much fucking money that we gambled all night for free. Pat Duffy seeing you at 3 a.m. throw 100 down on black. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) That shit was forever. Damn. Years after that, same parking lot, I got flown out to photograph Danny Way jumping off the guitar into a ramp. Nobody thought it was going to happen, so they sent me out. Like, son Schmitty, this is not, what the fuck is this? And it was pretty epic. I got a sequence in the magazine. I also got a sequence from the previous Vegas trip I was talking about. Dustin Dolan kick-flipping on Sean White's skateboard. He grabbed Sean White's skateboard 
and kickflipped off the deck of the vert ramp over the channel into the ramp. Almost made it and got stuffed. And I saw a sequence in that one in the mag. So that boost mobile trip, holy fuck. Swimming in a pool with pink, like whatever. Like all this stuff you just kind of like hold on to for the rest of your life. And Darren got the cover holding the boom box. There was just too much hijinks and too much fun. And it was just a really great, great time. Amazing. Yes. This podcast has been such an Are amazing experience. Well, we're coming to the end. And oh. um, I I know um, we're episode 50. And we've talked about doing dun, 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 a best dun. of for maybe episode 52. But I wanted to talk about a few of my highlights from the podcast season so far. Mm-hmm. And give a shout out to the following people. First of all, shout out to Lizzie out. talking about Jaws's enthusiastic support as she was trying to do the loop. That was so inspiring. Shout out to Ron Allen's laughter. <laughs> shout out. I think he has the best laugh. Um, shout out to Noel. Shout out. Noel has the most amazing voice. Big shout out to Tim. Shout his out. His positivity, his contributions to this show really brings such joy. That motherfucker texts me every Tuesday morning saying, this is my crack, where is it? <laughs> Was that just a glimpse look at the Potty Awards? But I think um, biggest shout out goes to you. <gasps> shout out. Because it's fair to say that you don't like talking about yourself. Let's just say it hasn't always been the easiest to get you to talk about skateboarding and your life in skateboarding. And so these podcast episodes have really given me an opportunity to learn about you and this life that is so important to you and these friends that are so important to you. And a lot of ways I feel like I've gotten to know these people better and I've even gotten to know you better, which is amazing. Aww. I'm wondering, is there anything else we should talk about? Oh, you guys, do you want to hear another hour? Um, I just like to give a big shout out to every motherfucker shout out. out there that listens to this. This has been a great outlet for me and to see people kind of gravitating towards it and taking something away from it that they like. Tony Mirana texting me and telling me, dude, get this fucking thing up early enough for me to listen to. That just means a lot to me and I appreciate all you guys that connect with me and especially us NorCal San Franciscans especially. Well, speaking of appreciations, I'd like to offer some thanks because I could not have done this interview with you without these people helping. Mm. Um, big shout out and thanks to Alyssa and Rachel. Steam cleaner. <laughs> I can't wait till you get on my show. <laughs> Also, thanks to Jason Jesse. Don't ever make a candle tributed to this guy and spell his name wrong. All right. Other shout outs go to the Joes, Joe Hammocky and Joe Brooke, Angela and Drew, Corey, Mike Burnett, Tony Farmer, Ronnie Sandoval, Chico, Scott Smith. This is the credit to Katie, Jeanette, Carly, Steph. Tim McKenney, Eric Ryder, Anna, Oscar, Felix, 
And to anyone else who contributed to this podcast, if I forgot you, I'm so sorry, but I really appreciate your help. And finally, a very special big shout out of appreciation to my friend and award-winning podcaster, Meredith Johnson, for recording the intro to today's show. Her voice is like salted butter. Thanks, Mare. I love you, Greg. I love you, Schmitty. Thanks for doing this with me and letting me do it with you. As a bonus question, this just got recorded a little after the Hawaii trip. How does it feel to be my fiance? Wow. I am so excited. So excited. Are you going to break the news here on the air whether you're going to take my last name or not? Whoa. Yes, I plan to become Cheryl Smith. Is that mostly so you can be known as Sass? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) SAS, kids. Thanks for listening. I just want to end this on big fucking special extra love and shout out to the executive director and the hostess of this show. Whether you know it or not, Cheryl spent a lot of energy and time preparing for this and contacting all my friends. And I think it's pretty clear if you listen to this whole thing, how much work and preparation she did. And I really, truly am humbled and appreciate it. If I still did a blog and you guys saw every detail of my 50th birthday trip, you would hate me. It was pretty fucking insane on an epic scale. I just want to end with this song. This one goes out to all my scorps out there. We're going back to 2009, Crossroads in San Diego. And I look over at the old man and I say, what song do I edit it to?
Thank you for listening to another episode of Talkin' Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow up them charts. All the episodes will always remain free to my listeners, but if you'd like to help support the show, you can do so at our website, TalkinSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like stickers, beanies, t-shirts, or hats. The website has an entire archive of all the episodes with extra photos and video. You can also email me with any concerns, questions, suggestions, comments, etc. at TalkinSchmidt.com at gmail.com. That's Schmidt, T-A-L-K-I-N-S-C-H-M-I-T at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by me, Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature, and a special shout-out goes to my executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout-out. Until next week, this is Talkin' Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper. Talkin' Schmidt, Talkin' Schmidt, Talkin' Schmidt.